This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Leanne Bach of Living Room Realty. Yes, Leanne has made the move. And you know, before I got to know her, I never would have thought that she's been in the business over a decade, almost, you know, half right. a, she's been in the business a long time because by looking at her, you wouldn't know that she has been in a job that, that long. long. Right, sure. But she, so she's had a lot of experience to do some incredible real estate service, which we actually asked her to be here with us today and she couldn't because yeah. she's, with a, she's with a client. Um, but she has made the move to Living Room Realty because every time she does a transaction, she gives to charity. At this time, right now where we are in our world, it's, mm-hmm. it's very important to be doing that. And uh, she identified that that was something that Living Room Realty was in tune with, and she thought it was a good marriage for her. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody understands the uh, Portland Realty market better than Leanne, especially when it comes to somebody who might be in the food industry. Absolutely. I've been I've been watching her listings, and when they come up, they're, uh, she knows the neighborhoods inside and out. So uh, if you're in the food industry and you want to be in a particular area, or you just love our food world and want to be in a particular neighborhood for a reason, Leanne's the one. Also, when it comes to just uh, getting into a house, somebody who works in the food industry, there might be some specific needs met because of because of how you make your money. It's, you know. And what you need to do at home. Yeah. You have a different life if you're in the, in exactly the industry. Right. And Leanne so. has all the answers for all that. LeanneBuck.com. That's spelled L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H dot com. And the phone number is 503-349-7890. It's time for another soundbite edition of Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And uh, I, of course, am Court Johnson from uh, the Kink Morning Show here in Portland. Uh, So we're here. We have an exciting podcast because, especially for me, I've been involved with, I fell into culinary travel a few years ago and uh, really been enjoying. But my... My, uh, I would say my portfolio of places that I've been is not that broad. So we're, um, it's a pleasure to have Eric Wolf here today who that's his, that's your thing, Eric, correct? Food is, travel is definitely my thing. Food travel. And so, uh, that's one gotta, of the, and that's gotta be a growing thing. That's like, if you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it's not as big of a thing as it used to be, right? It's it's huge now. When I founded the World Food Travel Association back in 2003, it was it was a niche. It was a new thing. And there were a lot of people kind of wondering, oh, what is this? Or they were thinking that maybe it was about the high-end experiences, you know, the Michelin star restaurants and the high-end wineries. And over the years, we've worked to help people understand it's more approachable. So uh, you have the all the, the shows on TV about, you know, food and travel, like Rachel Ray's $30 a day, you know, in, in the day. And most recently, you've got all the chef competition shows, you know, all those kinds of uh, Iron Chef America and every mm-hmm. permutation of that on the planet. And that's really served to um, push people forward in their interest in food and drink. And now uh, it's not unusual for people to go to a restaurant and know more about what's being served than a server. I mean, everyone eats and drinks and everyone loves food. And there's so much information available. Indeed. So everybody's doing the... But yeah, you've got shows like... I, I watch... I love Anthony Bourdain. So... 
you see him on, and I just discovered Emeril Lagasse's doing a sh- uh, Is, travel show now. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that one's interesting. I don't. I haven't. The jury's out for me on that one. But uh, <laughs> it's. But those things are out there for people to discover. Eating is, uh, there's more to it than just eating where you are. And that's a, that is a reason to travel. I mean, that's, you know, for, that's something everybody has in common. But now they're looking for the best experiences. And as you said, and something I feel even here in Portland, the best restaurants are always not, the, 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 the restaurants that everybody writes about are not always the best experiences. And I've been to some Michelin star restaurants. They're not my favorite experiences. Yeah. It's the stuff you discover down on the street. That is great too. It's really um, getting your your finger on the pulse of the, the local uh, the local residents, what they really like. You know, I was at a, uh, a fish and chip ch- uh, shop shop. I'm not going to say where it was, but it said the best fish and chips in town, and they they put that on their sign. And I had it, and I I almost had to throw up when I left. It was that bad. And I'm thinking, if you need to promote that you're the best, if that's what you do. You're yes. not the best. Well, but what do people say? All over the, or the thing I marvel at is all over the Oregon coast, everybody's got the best clam chowder on the, on the coast, and they have some reason some yeah. for saying that they are, but... But what do the people say? Yeah, but I still, I think a lot of the local residents aren't the ones to ask either. So, um, because they're on, they only know their town. They're not the ones that are traveling, so it's a, it's a tough go. So there are people like you... Who have conferences. You have the Food Trekking World coming up in April. That's correct, here in and, Portland. And then you've done, what's the other one that you've done in uh, Portland we, as we well? We were doing the FoodWorks Conference. We did that for four years, and we stopped producing that because we felt that we had really met the needs of the market. So it was time to, to come back and focus on the food tourism again. So you're bringing people from uh, outside of Portland into Portland to as more of as a business-to-business conference for people to discuss and network about culinary tourism? Yeah, I mean, the conference is structured in um, in the way that people, you've got your world-class speakers. You know, we've got uh, Adnan Nawaz, he's a BBC newscaster. Uh, we've got Benjamin Brown from Princess Cruises. We've got Stephen Joyce out of Vancouver, BC with a technology company. So those are the speakers, and they're going to be talking about um, kind of the, the future of things in our industry. So it's things that people haven't heard of before. And interspersing that, uh, those those great talks are going to be B2B appointments. And that's one of those things that you need to be there for those meetings. You know, Facebook cannot replace face-to-face. And you need to be there, look people in the eye, shake their hand, see their stuff, get their goodies that they hand out. Well, plus conversations lead to actual Absolutely. things. So that's, for me, I get so frustrated with emails going back and forth yeah. many times. It's like, if we have a conversation, we actually might throw an idea out that you can then build on exactly and go back and forth, whereas emails, I, I think, prevent that. I think uh, or they filter that opportunity out. So. They really do. And I think that a lot of people now feel that they can get pretty much everything online, but um, that you can't get that personal connection online. Even if you connect with someone on LinkedIn or Facebook, I mean, how many times do you, do you meet your next best friend on Facebook? Just out of the blue. It doesn't happen. You do that in I'm person. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I've met some nice people. I've met people in the strangest ways. So <laughs> I, I'm one who thinks online you can do some great things, but there's interact business needs to have some back and forth. This is about and business. So yeah. that's what that's all about. So we wanted to have you, uh, I think a fascinating topic is you, you have a lot of experience traveling all over the world. You've experienced a lot of different cities 
And we wanted to get from you for listeners if they're planning a food vacation, if they're planning a vacation around food, and that's their primary consideration. Uh, talk about the top destinations where people, their popular destinations. And then for those like me who necessarily don't want to be in the crowded places, <laughs> some of your sleepers that are fantastic places to go that and you would sleepers, recommend. Those are the real gems. But so, so stay tuned. We'll start with the, uh, okay. we'll start with the more popular ones. Fair enough. Um, in our research, we, we do research every two or three years on the industry and we surveyed uh, 3,300 people in 11 countries last year. And we asked them what they thought the most popular destinations were. And strangely, uh, in the United States, the most popular destinations for food are New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Las Vegas, even um, Orlando scored high, which I, I don't really see that one. Uh, but what this is telling us is that people, they're picking popular tourist destinations, not necessarily the ones with the best food. So they're going there for something else. They're going there for a family activity or a business conference or something or to visit friends and family, not necessarily for the food. Now, I think when I'm thinking of food destinations, I think people will travel to San Francisco or New Orleans or now Portland or even Seattle for those food experiences. Um, people are traveling to the countrysides in France and Spain for Michelin experiences. Um, they're traveling to places like Singapore for the hawker stands. I mean, those, those are food destinations in and of themselves. But when um, we asked general Americans, they were just picking the, the main tourist destinations, which tells us they need to know more about what food tourism is. Yeah, and that doesn't, that's not really an answer to the question, where are they going specifically for food? That's more of the most popular destinations. That, well, that's what they said they were going to for food. Yeah, but for the they food. don't know. It's the same people who think, and uh, seriously, no, no disrespect to any businesses, but there are, there are tiers of people in Portland who think they're into the food scene. And I'll hear people say, oh, yeah, Portland has a great food scene, Portland City Grill. That, there, there's a group of people that think that's the Portland food scene because it's a tourist restaurant, really, that has a great view. But you know so, how we explain that? Yeah. It's something called psychoculinary profiling which is people's behavior when they make food and beverage purchase decisions, mm -hmm. something we pioneered back in 2010, and there's 13 different profiles, one of which is gourmet, one of which is budget, another is novice. So there's people, you know, the people that you're talking about, Portland City Grill, maybe they're novice, maybe they're new to the whole food thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. but they're, they're thinking they're into the food scene. They, yeah. haven't yet, they haven't yet tuned in and said, wow, there's this whole world out there of resources, to find out what really is going on, who the cool chefs are, who's nominated for a beard award yeah. in town, those kind of things. And, and It's about finding the right match for you as an individual. Right, but I think people grow. I mean, I moved to Portland without knowing there was a food scene here at all. Mm -hmm. And it was just burgeoning. It was just starting at the time. It was just blossoming. But uh, I'm into food, and I became, I identified early on, coming from the New York area, where celebrities were largely sports stars for me yeah and we don't have we didn't have a lot of sports stars so for me chefs were approachable celebrities food is our sport in portland yeah exactly so <laughs> and and now we're looking elsewhere now that portlanders know about it yeah i just i think this i'd love to tell on this podcast love to reveal some great places for those people who are in portland who are in the what's the category you what what is the name of the category of the people who know the most about every nuance for every place to go and well you talk about the psychoculinary profiling or yes what's that name uh i'm, I'm you lost me a little what's bit. that profile of the people who really know the food scene 
Well, the, there's not really a profile for that. We've got localist, we've got adventurer, we've got ambiance, we've got um, authentic. Uh, authentic is the most popular with 48% of people identifying as, as authentic people. But Portlanders might be interested to know that Portland actually did not even make the top 10 in foodie destinations in the country. And like you, I agree, we've got a great food and drink scene here. But And as much as we believe it, you know, we're drinking the Kool-Aid here, but other people nationally aren't seeing that. They're still picking the bigger destinations. Well, there are more opportunities there, and there, there are other things to do as yeah. well. Not that there aren't other, other things to do in Portland, but we just had... Our, uh, you know, Gary, who works with us doing restaurant updates, yep. who just announced uh, recently that he's bored of the Portland food scene. I, I find that, you know, but that's in relation to the rest of the world. For those of us who are in Portland, I find it crazy to think that you could get bored of it because there's always something, there's so many different options here. Well, I think the food scene in Portland has evolved. I moved here in 2001, and um, I'm one of the reasons I did move here was for the, the under discovered resources. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was known. Where'd you move from? Uh, well, I was in San Francisco for two years, but that doesn't really count because I was working in Singapore the whole time. So before that, New York. So what was the impetus to move to Portland? What? Um, I was working for a dot-com and I smelled the layoff and I didn't want to be stuck in San Francisco with a $2,500 a month apartment. So mm-hmm. I requested a transfer. Boom. Transferred three months later, got laid off and, and, uh, While I was doing some, I I was unemployed, I was doing some soul searching. I wrote a white paper on food tourism and that that was it. That was the start. Oh, so that's your, those are your credentials. That's the start of your credentials and you built them from there. That's that's how it all got started, yeah. Okay, so let's go back to, um, well, you mentioned those, but internationally, what are the most popular destinations? Um, Again, places like France, Italy, uh, Spain, those always top the list. And it amazes me because... I think, you know, once you've been to Italy two, three, four times, you know, what's, what's next? And the same for the Francophiles out there. You know, once you've been to France four times, what do you do after that? People are, many people are missing an entire world of underdiscovered experiences. So let's hit those. What are your okay. favorite underdiscovered cities? Of course, once, places, I, once I put them uh, on the radio here, then they won't be underdiscovered. That's okay. We only have so many listeners. So that, <laughs> I, think the, I think these cities are all safe. They're safe. Well, um, one that I like, I, it's a real underdog, but it really has blown me away, is Ecuador. And it's really not on a lot of people's radars. Or if people think Ecuador, they're thinking the Galapagos Islands, and that's pretty much it. Um, I w- if they're even thinking that at all. Right. I mean, Ecuador is just not on people's top 10 or 20 list. But the, it's, it was kind of like Portland 20 years ago. The quality of the ingredients, everything was super fresh. The farms are just outside the city. Uh, very affordable, a lot of creativity, wonderful new flavors. They have something like 600 different kinds of potatoes. Uh, Soup is their national dish, and I love soup. And they have so many different kinds of soup. And potatoes that are so creamy in the soup, it's almost like cream, but it's not. It's the potato. Um, All different kinds of pulses and so on. Um, Peru, I think, has stolen a lot of the limelight that Ecuador could have had um, you know, largely because of their chef scene in Lima, but they, those chefs in Lima are, they're the high end. They're the gourmet ones. They're the ones that, I mean, I met people, I was in Lima last year. I met people who flew from Amsterdam and London. They have a nonstop Amsterdam Lima flight. I mean, really, you know, uh, these people are flying there for the food and yeah, I had great meals like at Central, a, a wonderful, really interesting meal and experience. Although that's not the kind of cuisine I normally prefer or not the kind of experience I prefer. But um, what was missing was just uh, the everyday food that the people eat. And at the conference I was at, we were introduced to that. Uh, some amazing desserts. Um, there is a something called ahida gallina, which is a 
chicken dish, and it's made with um, bread, walnuts, black olives, and egg, and then the chicken. And it turns out yellow, and I forget what makes it yellow. Oh, it's a pepper. It's a pepper, a yellow pepper that makes it yellow. Uh, you think it's turmeric because it's so bright yellow. And the flavors are just so fresh and amazing. And I tried to make it here when I got back, and of course that was a disaster. Uh, but, I mean, that kind of everyday people's food, that's what these countries um, do so well. So Ecuador, same kind of thing. Um, so uh, uh, that's one of my favorites. Uh, I think countries like Korea are really underrated. And you, know, you hear about the Korean tacos and fusion food, but when you have the food there in person, I mean, I've had bibimbap in the States and bulgogi, and it just it doesn't ever taste the same as it does there. Um, there's other places like Sweden. Sweden is really, um, you know, no one thinks of flying to Sweden to eat, but they like really healthy food there. You know, we how we do the non-GMO thing and, and you know, vegetarian. Oh, they're vegan. way ahead of it. Way ahead of us there. Way ahead of us, yeah. And every, have so much organic product in Sweden and the quality, that the, they demand quality. Whereas I think maybe Americans, we, we really like quali- quantity over quality a lot of the times. But in Sweden, they would rather have a really small plate of something that is just amazingly high quality and tasty rather than a huge portion. And uh, like Gothenburg, we did an event in Gothenburg in 2013. It's like a Swedish Portland. The same size city, the same kind of underdog to the the larger, you know, in the shadow of Stockholm or, you know, we're in the shadow of Seattle or San Francisco sometimes. And the food scene there was just phenomenal. Well, that's a good one. This is a great list because yeah. I think I don't I, I think a lot of people are just looking for a getaway and food being the impetus. Uh there's some great spots. And I do we have any Ecuadorian we probably do, and I and I'm either forgetting or don't know. Do we have any Ecuadorian restaurants in Not Poland that I or know food of. carts? We have a couple por- uh, Peruvian ones. Yeah, that I Andina, know. And then there's another restaurant on Pache on Corbett, which is if you haven't been, and you love that the variations on potatoes that you're yeah. talking about in Ecuador, uh, Jose Luis de Casio does some incredible. What's the name things. of this place? Pache on Corbett. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. I've got to try that. I've, you're, you know, someone else mentioned that to me a while ago. I, I need to check that place oh, out. Oh, it's one of the best restaurants in Portland okay. right now, without a doubt. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. So you I'm curious to, to know, you, you mentioned a lot of these international destinations, and then we went through the top U.S. destinations, but what, what U.S. cities might make a list of a great place to go to eat? That that is, undiscovered that places? Yeah, it's kind undiscovered. of undiscovered. It's, well, um you know, it's interesting. Louisville, Kentucky won our uh, annual food trucking awards last year. And they're known for bourbon, but the food scene there is fantastic. And, and Louisville is kind of like a micro Portland. It's really small. But they have got an amazing food scene there. You know, they're known for their hot brown sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got an amazing ice cream. Uh, I mean, just all kinds of great stuff there. Uh, really, really tasty. Um, and I think... I, I really like places that are dotted around the South. I mean, I know Asheville, North Carolina has gotten really, really popular right now, but just pulling into a barbecue shack on the side of the road. I mean, I was driving from uh, Louisiana to Florida with a, a former board member, and we stopped at a barbecue shack in Southern Alabama. I can't even tell you the town. And amazing food. Those kinds of places, you know, the diners, drives, and drive through kind mm-hmm. of thing, those are some of the best meals you'll ever get. And a lot of times you have to find them on your own. Yeah, you're there, and they're there. I just posted on Facebook, you know, the on this day thing comes up and in 2010, on this day that we're recording this, right. I was at a place called Dyes Gullah, Dyes Gullah Fixins in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Not a hotbed of great food, by the way, <laughs> Hilton Head. But this particular place was 
she was doing the food her great grandmother made on slave plantations yeah. in the 1860s, and uh, it was fantastic. As a matter of fact, all those different foods and flavors led her led us to a food discussion, and she said to me, "Hey, isn't Portland an, an incredible food city?" And this is back in 2010. And uh, it made me start thinking about, yeah. wow, here's someone who obviously doesn't get very far out of South Carolina. Yeah. Um, who's thinking that? So, Well, there's a couple others besides Louisville. You've got Providence, Rhode Island. They've got great Italian and Portuguese fantastic heritage there. Por- uh, fantastic Italian heritage. Yeah. And Chef Walter Portenza, he's really well known in town for his uh, culinary creations. And then even somewhere like Tucson, we were in Tucson last year doing some site inspections. And I think Tucson is it, today is kind of like Portland 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it can evolve into it. It's got enough going on in the craft scene and the localist scene there that it could grow into the next Portland. And also Portland, Maine, speaking of Portland. I've heard that about Portland, Maine. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a growing... Uh, we've been talking, I've been talking to Jason French about doing a trip there because that's where he has family there. Yeah. And uh, did a little bit of research into the food. There's a lot going on for a small little town. It's a cute Portland, little town Maine. as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a cute little town. Um, Court, any, have there been any, any places? Yeah, of course, I was, went to Austin last year, and that's not a secret any longer. Right. Their food scene. Um, but, you know, I think just as you said, every town has, every city has something going on. They can. But I think as a, as a tourist as a traveler, you want to have enough going on so you have lots of options, and you're not you're not limited to two or three great spots well, in a certain city. You know, like in Portland, this is a Disneyland for foodies. With sport, food is our sport. I here. thought I and coined that term, and you're using it. Disneyland now? for foodies. Yeah, I, I thought I coined been, that term. Oh man, I've been using it for years. <laughs> Except um, I didn't use foodies. It's the Disneyland of food. So we have different ways of wording it. But, you know, uh, I mean, I think a city like Chicago has, has does have a lot more to offer. I mean, just the museum scene there alone or the architecture scene. Uh, I was in Chicago in December, and I was amazed at the quality of the food there. And, you know, in many uh, instances, cheaper than Portland as well. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Just had uh, an Italian, uh, a pastrami sandwich from Pastrami Zombie. She's spent years in Chicago. I like the name. Yeah, and uh, and it's incredible, and she brought that to Portland, and actually to Ashland. Ashland is a pretty good food destination yeah. now, and and you've got the Applegate Valley down there too for wine. It's a nice place to go for someone who doesn't want to get on a plane. Exactly, and, and it's very very reachable, and the same up into British Columbia. They've got some great food and drink up there too. I just uh, did a little vacation to Victoria. That is a great place to go. And it is it's a fun little trip. It is great food there. Nice people. Pretty city. So quickly, where do people get information about your conference in April? Uh, it's foodtrekkingworld.org, and it's trekking like going for a hike, not food trucks like food carts. That's two Ks. Two Ks. You can't, take, you can't assume that people are going to know two Ks. <laughs> T-R-E-K-K-I-N-G, foodtrekking.org. And um, for a lot of the small business owners out there, we've put together a really special offer for them. We know the economy is not great, and we really want to make this um, approachable for them so they can attend. We've created a special offer using the discount code SPOON, and they can save $300 if they're a small business by registering with that code. Cool. Um, Spoons and forks. We had one, too, but you can do better with the spoon. Spoon. Spoon is better. Okay. Use the spoon. You can get more in your mouth. Get every drop. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
Right at the Fork is brought to you by Leanne Bach. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you and has years of experience to work on your behalf? Find Leanne at LeanneBach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H dot com. Zupans, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. Food Trekking World. Coming soon in Portland is Food Trekking World, the world's largest convention of trade professionals. Food and beverage meet travel and hospitality. Business-to-business appointments, speeches, and hundreds of professionals you'll want to meet from all over the world. It's April 2nd through the 4th at the Sentinel Hotel. Find out more at foodtrekkingworld.org. That's trekking with two Ks. And by Portland Food Adventures. Did you know you can eat and drink your way through Europe with chefs like Atala's Jose Chesa and Lardo's Rick Gencarelli? Join right at the Fork host Chris Angelus and his great chef friends for these trips of a lifetime to Barcelona and Tuscany in September and October. Get to portlandfoodadventures.com and click on the blog tab to see pricing and itineraries. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angelus and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right